A lot of folks asked me this morning uh, about the marriage retreat this weekend. Uh, yes, it went well. Yes, we all survived. And yes, as far as I know, all the marriages are still intact today. Always a good thing. Now, God showed up. It was, it was a great weekend. And I appreciate many of you here were there. I appreciate that. We build new relationships and friendships every year as well at the marriage retreat. And it was a blessing. It was a great time together. So put it on your radar for next year. If you haven't gone yet, keep that in mind for next year. This morning in our message series, we're going to uh, begin a new series that will take us to Easter. And we're going to talk about exactly what it sounds like, what it means to be free in Christ. Uh, in the New Testament, the Bible teaches several places and in several ways that we are free in Christ. But a lot of times, Christians don't really know what that means. And if we don't know what that means, then we don't know how to live free in Christ or whether we're living free in Christ, don't know how to apply that to our lives. So we want to make that clear. And I think you'll, uh, you'll be blessed, you'll be amazed, you'll be uplifted, you'll be inspired in these weeks ahead, heading up to Easter, uh, of what it means to be free in Christ. We're going to look at several places the Bible teaches about freedom in Christ. Uh, and then, uh, we start this morning, we're going to look at what that actually means. But I think as Christians, we, we need a, a clear understanding of this, to live fully in Christ. In 2001, a man named Robert Saltzman uh, had finally been released from prison. He'd spent most of his adult life as a, uh, as a prisoner, uh, indicted on several charges, convicted on several charges. He had lived most of his adult life in prison. Finally, he was released from prison and started trying to acclimate into society, and it did not go very well. He lost job after job. He was evicted from apartment after apartment. Uh, and, and several times he, had to, he lived in homeless shelters. Uh, and then one day in 2010, he was riding the subway, dejected, downhearted, uh, disheartened and, as well. And a director, a movie director, Rashad Green, noticed him and went up and sat down beside him. And said to Mr. Saltzman, he said, I'm, I'm casting a movie and need people that look like convicts. How about you? And he said, well, you know, it's funny you should ask me that. So he said, well, that's even better because I've got a part in the film for a, a person who was a former convict and you would really fit the bill. Would you come and audition for that? So Saltzman did. He came and auditioned. And not only got the part, they wrote a bigger part in the film just for him. So they started the uh, production on the movie, and much of the film, especially the part about the prisoners, was filmed on location at Long Island Prison. Uh, and one afternoon, they were doing some filming, and Salzman was exhausted and tired between takes, and so he found a cot inside a cell to lay down. And when he laid down, he went to sleep naturally. And a little while later, he woke up and he was completely disoriented for the moment and thought he was back in prison. And when he thought he was back in prison, he started weeping uncontrollably. He went into extreme despair. He started screaming and weeping, thinking that he was back in prison. And when they heard him crying out, they came to him and they explained to him, no, 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 you're, you're not in prison anymore. You're, you're free. You can walk out of here if you'd like. And in an instant, his despair and his weeping for thinking he was a prisoner turned to 
leaps of joy and shouts of joy realizing that he was actually, actually free. I think the problem a lot of Christians have is that we live like we're still prisoners and have never caught on that we've been set free. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, what does that mean, Pastor Bob? I'm glad you asked me that. Because that's exactly what this series is about. I hope through this series we unpack for you. It, it, it finally comes to your mind what it means to live free in Christ. What it means to be free in Christ. And that's our starting point this morning. We're going to ask and answer the question, what does it mean to be free? And then in the weeks ahead, we'll see how it applies. Several ways the scripture teaches that freedom in Christ applies. But we're going to ask and answer that question this morning. What does it mean to be free? Find in your Bible John chapter 8, the Gospel of John and chapter 8. In the Gospel of John in chapter 8, we have a discourse, a long discussion. It takes up the whole chapter, over 50 verses of this chapter between three different parties. Uh, these three different parties are Jesus, would-be disciples that he's, he starts out talking to. That's really who he's having a conversation with. And then you have the, his, his antagonists, the religious leaders, who are going to interrupt him, and they're going to uh, uh, start a, an argument with him, a conflict with him over what he is teaching about himself and what it means to be free. And the part of the passage we're going to read is where that interruption comes in. And you'll notice it right away as Jesus is kindly and compassionately teaching to his would-be followers what it means to follow Christ and what it means to be free in Christ and where the antagonists, the religious leaders, interrupt him and come into the conversation. Uh, look at it another way. When we were at the marriage retreat over the, the, the ocean off, off of South Carolina, we were right down there at Myrtle Beach, all of a sudden got word that the Chinese spy balloon had been shot down by an F-22. The religious leaders are the Chinese spy balloon. Jesus is the F-22. Or more to the point, Jesus is the truth. And the truth is the missile that takes out contradictions, that takes out the notion of pride, that we can be free in ourselves and we don't need Christ. So look there with me. The Gospel of John chapter 8, we're going to start reading at verse 31. If you're a Christian, been a Christian a while, you will recognize right away uh, these verses because they're well known in Scripture. John chapter 8, verse 31. John writes, Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We are descendants of Abraham, they answered him. That, that's the interruption. The they in that are not the would-be disciples, they are the antagonists. And we have never been enslaved to anyone. How can you say you will become free? Jesus responded, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son does remain forever. So if the son sets you free, you really will be free. Or as many of us learn that verse, you will be free indeed. You really will be free. Freedom is freedom in Christ. Uh, this is the point of the passage, and it's really very simple. We, be, we are set free when we choose to follow Christ and become followers 
of Christ. In verse 36, Jesus says, so if the Son sets you free, you really will be free. He's using an analogy, but he's also pointing out a truth. And only those who believe Christ and and trust Christ and follow Christ will see the difference and and catch the truth in the analogy. The Son will set you free. He's speaking of himself, and he's using terminology that applies to God himself. He is the Son of God, fully God and fully man when he spoke these words. And he and only he can set you free. As we move forward in the passage, keep that in mind because a right understanding of who Jesus is we'll see is the starting point for being set free in Christ. That is to understand that Jesus Christ himself is God. He's the one and only God. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, one God in three persons and Christ is the Son. And it's in relationship to him that we find freedom. Not in religion. This is where the argument ensues in in John chapter 8. The religious leaders uh, take offense that, that because they're religious leaders. Isn't it in religious leaders? Religion is what sets us free. No, Jesus says it's not. It's a relationship with the Son of God that will set you free. So what does it mean to be free in Christ? Let's break this down for a minute. I want you to see with me three things that it means to be free in Christ coming directly from Jesus himself. Three things that it means to be free in Christ. First, it means that you have made a decision. You've made a decision. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him. Now notice it doesn't say who had believed in him. It says who had believed him. And that's intentional. And it's an accurate translation from the original Greek into the English. The word translated believed, and the Greek language has different words that we would translate into English as believe. This particular word means that you are persuaded to agree. You're persuaded to agree, or it could mean that you're convinced to agree. So Jesus is talking to a particular group of would-be followers who have assented in their mind, they've agreed in their minds that what Jesus has said is true. That he is who he says he is. That what he teaches is true. And what he says about God is true. They've come to a conclusion. They've been persuaded of the truth. And they believe in him. And to this point, they believe what he said. What he wants to do is draw them closer to become disciples. That is, to fully invest themselves or believe in him now that they believe him and what he says. Now we need to pause here just a minute and consider how many of us may be in that place and not even realize it. That you're giving mental assent to what God says or what the Bible says. You say, okay, I agree with that. But you have not fully devoted yourself to Christ. You've not trusted Christ as your Savior and become a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's a distinction here between those things. But the good news is, Jesus views that believe what I have said, believe me stage as a first stage that's very important. It's a stage that draws you closer to Christ and draws you into the kind of belief that becomes a follower of Christ. It's a decision to believe. And that decision to believe starts with saying, you know what, Jesus is right. This is, he is who he says he is. God is who he, Jesus says God is. Salvation is what 
Jesus says salvation is. I am who Jesus says I am, a sinner in need of a Savior. You agree with him, and when you agree with him, you make a decision to follow Christ. That decision to follow Christ leads to the next thing, that, that this is what freedom means. So you have made a decision, you become a disciple. You become a disciple. For most of us, that's where we're at. We, we, we made that decision to believe him. That decision to believe him followed through with a decision to become a follower of Christ. We trusted Christ as our Savior. That doesn't mean we, we chose to be, become a churchgoer. It means that we became followers of Christ. And this is what Jesus says about that. When you take that step, what he says about becoming a follower of Christ. You're now a disciple. He says, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. So he says there's something contingent there. This is how you know you made that transition from believing him to believing in him and becoming a follower of Christ. That is, you continue in his word, and that's a demonstration that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. The term translated continue could also be translated remain or abide. In what? In his word, in his truth. And there is a direct, intimate connection between the truth of God and Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ himself. He himself says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he would teach in John chapter 15, it's recorded, Jesus says, remain or abide in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, they're thrown into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and listen, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. There is a connection between the word of God, the truth of God, and your relationship in Christ. You made a decision to believe him, followed by a decision to believe in him, and you became a disciple, a follower of Christ. To demonstrate you're a disciple, Jesus says, you will continue in, you abide in the truth of God. You live in the truth of God day by day, drawing your spiritual nourishment from him. And he says, by this, you really are my disciples. Discipleship we have on Wednesday night. Those are classes that help you be a disciple. Being a disciple is not a class or a program. Being a disciple is being a follower of Jesus Christ. He is your Lord. He is your Savior. You are a follower of Christ. And he says, once you do that, you're abiding in him. You're abiding in his truth. Look at this, verse 32. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And see these stages that come along. I believe you, Jesus, what you say. Now I believe in you, Jesus. I'll be a follower of Christ. I'll abide in your word. Now I will know your word, and your word, your truth, will set me free. Jesus teaches in that, in that, in verse 32, two things about the truth of God and how the truth of God sets you free. Now, I want to park here for just a minute because it's extraordinarily important that we grasp this spiritual interaction with God, with his word, and with us, and how this sets us free in Christ. He says, first of all, you will know the truth. That is, his truth transforms you. His truth transforms you. The term translated, know, 
And like, like many Greek words we have in the, in the Greek New Testament, uh, there are a few that, that in Greek mean no, but different kinds of knowledge. We have one word for no in the English language, and that's, thank you, no, K-N-O-W. That's the one we got. So we have to qualify it. We have to explain it. Which Greek word are we talking about? This particular Greek word means you will know by experience, by application. When you, are, when you live out the truth, you're abiding in the truth, you're abiding in His Word, you're applying that to your life, you apply that truth, that truth has experiential value. You experience the truth. And it starts to transform you. The more you apply the truth of God in the Word of God, the more transformation takes place, the more you experience the truth in your life. Sometimes it's said, and this is an accurate statement, the Word of God is not true because it works. It works because it's true. It changes you because of the truth of God. The application of it is universal because it's the truth of God. And when you abide and live and remain in that truth, and you experience it, you'll start applying it and you experience it. You go, oh, you know what? Jesus is right. You know what? If I, do, if I do what God says with my money, if I do what God says with my relationships, if I do what God says in my worship, if I do what God says day by day, if I repent of my sins, if I keep short accounts with God and confess my sins to Him, if I offend Him and I tell Him and I agree and I'm clean from that and I move on, it turns out you experience the truth of God in your very life and you see it unfold and it transforms you. And what happens is you want to apply more of the truth of God. You don't pull away from it. You want to know it better. You want to apply it more in your life. You want to see God work through His Word and His truth in your life. And Jesus says, you will know. If you abide in His truth, you will know the truth. And then He says, and the truth will set you free. His truth liberates you. His truth liberates you. The believer is suddenly set free of the dictates of this world. The believer is suddenly set free of falsehood and lies and, and the conventions of a world that doesn't know God. The believer is liberated to live for Christ, to serve Christ, to not worry about tomorrow, but to focus on serving Christ today. The believer is liberated because they're experiencing God's truth. And they know that all that God says is true. That's who he is. The Apostle Paul would say, after he came to Christ, this is how he described it. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life, I now live in the body. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and he gave himself for me. You know what he said? He said, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, when I believed him, then I believed in him. I was crucified with him. That old sinner self died, and I was set free. And now the life you see me living, I'm living by faith in the truth of Almighty God. I'm applying it daily to my life. I live in freedom because His truth liberates me. In another place, the Apostle Paul would say, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is liberty. Where there is bondage, where there's not liberty, 
where there's struggling, where there's religious strife, that's not God. Where there is liberty, freedom in Christ, freedom from worry, freedom from sin and death, freedom from falsehood, God is there. That's how you know the Spirit's at work. That's how you know you're serving Christ. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. To be free in Christ means that you have made a decision. It means that you are now a disciple, that you are following Christ. And then third, it means you have a new relationship. You have a new relationship. Verse 34, Jesus responded, Truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. A slave does not remain in the household forever, but a son remains forever. Here Jesus is again using that relational dynamic. We know that he is the son of God, but now he's speaking about their world at their time and he's applying it to believers, those who would follow Christ. Here's what he says. Basically, uh, religion still keeps you in bondage. Because you're still trying to work out your own salvation. You're still prideful. You're still in bondage to the things of the world, to that old sinner self, that old life. Religion keeps you there, as so do many habits and behaviors that we have in our lives. But he says, here's what happened. When the, when the Son of God sets you free, the Son of God gives you a new relationship in the house of God, in the home of God. He gives you a new relationship. We are all, in fact, a son. Now, in our day and time, we would say a son or a daughter, but the significance in their world and at their time, uh, we need to pay attention to. A son was an heir. A son was the one that had, was able to take full benefit, full advantage of everything in the father's house. A son was the one that, that the relationship was transferred to down through the family. If he were saying this today, he would say, we are all sons and daughters. In the household of God, we are liberated from the bondage of this life, this, the bondage of the world, the bondage of religion, and we're children of God, sons and daughters of Almighty God himself. And then he says it in verse 36, so if the Son sets you free, you will be really free, free indeed. And our obligation and our joy is to keep living in freedom for Christ. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. He didn't set you free so you would slip back into other attitudes and habits of bondage, behavior of the old life. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. It sounds redundant, does it? Well, it needs to be said because sometimes we need to remember that Christ has set us free so we will live free for Christ. We will serve Christ faithfully and be free in Christ. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. If you're struggling in your life with uh, falsehood, with, with bondage to behaviors, uh, bondage to finances, bondage to worry, all these things that, that ensnare us in this life, and maybe it's you're watching the news and you're in bondage to that. Christ has set you free. It was for freedom that Christ set you free. If you know you're a follower of Christ, he has set you free. That old sinner self is gone. He has set you free. A young lady named Abby, 28 years old, was interviewed last year 
in an article about uh, dating apps. Uh, Abby, 28 years old, for the last eight years has been utilizing dating apps. Not just one, not just two, eight dating apps. She says now she'll spend two to three hours a day swiping on those dating apps, messaging different men, trying to find that perfect partner. And she said in the interview, I, I think I'm suffering burnout. And you'd like to call Abby and say, you think? The truth is, the dating apps have become a real problem. 37% of people that use dating apps it results in a stalker. 35% of people that use dating apps results in inappropriate and sometimes explicit photographs, comments, texts, messages, and behavior. But Abby just can't cut herself free because she's convinced in her mind maybe that next swipe will be the right guy. Maybe that next swipe will be the right guy. Maybe that next one will be the right guy. She's in bondage, trying her best to find the right relationship. She partly has it right because what she needs is the right relationship to set her free so she can let go of those habits and those behaviors of that bondage to the idea that that's the way to find the perfect person. Instead, she needs a relationship with her Lord and Savior, her Creator in Christ. Maybe you're feeling a similar burnout because you're trying to live your life on your own. You're trying your best to be good all the time, to do right things all the time. Maybe you're suffering a kind of burnout because you are still committed to those old habits and behaviors that have ensnared you for so long. Maybe you find yourself this morning here or at home admitting to yourself, I'm in bondage to worry. I'm in bondage to heartache. I'm in bondage to the past. I'm in bondage to habits. I'm in bondage to addiction. I'm in bondage to finances, to ambition, to greed, to pride. I'm in bondage. If you know you've trusted Christ as your Savior, today start over with Him. Acknowledge that you are free because He has set you free. Don't listen to the lies of the world. Listen to Him. He has set you free. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today is the day to be set free. By your Lord, your Savior, finally and forever, be set free of sin and death. Be set free of bondage and falsehood. Be set free to follow Christ. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I'm going to pray for us. First for believers here and at home, I'm going to pray for us that we would be free in Christ. That, that Yes, I'm a believer in Christ, but you know what? I, I haven't been living like I'm free in Christ. I'm going to pray for you that today you would surrender all that worry, all that struggle, whatever you're in bondage to, you, you would surrender that again to Him and walk out of here knowing you are free in Christ. If you're at home, I pray for you as well. Then I'm going to pray for those that have never trusted Christ as their Savior and pray a very simple prayer with you if today would be the day you would give your life to Jesus Christ, that you surrender your life to Him in faith, repenting of your sin, and give your life to Christ. Let's pray together. 
Our gracious God and Father, how we thank you that in Christ we know we can be free, finally free of sin and death. Father, I pray for us, those that we know, we have, we have made that decision and we have chosen to be disciples, but God, we're not living like we are free in Christ. And Father, I pray for us today, we make a fresh commitment. We would, we would give up again all those burdens, those cares, those worries, those things that hinder us from serving you. God, forgive us for living as if the truth has not set us free. But instead, God, I pray our knowledge, our awareness, our experience of Christ will continue to set us free as we serve him day by day. So, God, I pray for us who know we're believers in Christ. We would turn all that over to you, all those burdens, those cares, all that bondage, all that concern. We turn all that over to you today. And, God, I pray for those who have never trusted Christ as their Savior here or at home. And pray with them a very simple prayer, God, to put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ today. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I'm in bondage to sin and to death. And dear Jesus, I, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe what you say. So Jesus, today I believe in you and trust you fully as my Savior. Jesus, come into my heart, into my life. Forgive me of my sin and I repent of my sin. I repent of the way I used to live, God, and I would follow Christ from this day forward. Father, we thank you that in Christ we are set free. And I pray, God, that many in this room and at home have experienced for the first time or in a fresh way, God, that we are set free to live for Christ. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray.